0: First Corinthians chapter 10 verses 14 through 22, follow along as I'm reading. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we, who are many, are one body. For we all share the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean, then, that food sacrificed to an idol is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? In just a little while this morning, we will be sharing together in the Lord's Supper and in what we we commonly refer to as the communion. And as we participate in the communion, we typically read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, and we'll do that this morning too. And we do that so as to focus our attention on what we're doing and why we're doing it. But we'll come to that passage in 1 Corinthians 11 in about three weeks' time. as part of this sermon series. Today we're dealing with a slightly different focus on the Lord's Supper as it relates to idols, demons, and fellowship. Quite importantly, fellowship. Keep in mind that in this passage, Paul is continuing to address the questions that the Corinthians had raised about eating food that was offered to or associated with idols. They were questioning about food that was associated with other gods. And in chapter 8, Paul starts into this topic, and he starts to talk about uh, how to deal with this. And he talks about the fact that these idols are no, no gods at all. These other gods are no gods at all. They don't mean anything. And the fact that you would, you would be in the presence of an idol it has no power over you, it has no control. And he's starting to make these references in chapter 8, and he's making it clear So it isn't about the food. It's not about the meat that you eat. It's about what they thought they knew. The Corinthians thought that they had this knowledge, and they were puffed up with this knowledge. And so Paul is saying to them, it's not about your knowledge as such. It's about knowing the Lord in your heart. It is always about the heart. What mattered was how the Corinthians would deal with one another, and particularly with the weaker Brother or sister for the sake of conscience. So he says, if your brother is offended by you eating this meat, then don't eat it. Not because the meat has something or the idol has something. The idols are nothing. But he says, for the sake of your brother, for the sake of your sister, don't eat it. You know, for the sake of their conscience. Do this in, in consideration of your brother or your sister. And I want you to keep that point in mind. Keep that in mind. That this idea of preferring somebody else over yourself, that's what dominates. That's what is prevalent throughout the word of God. It is never self-seeking. The gospel is never for us to be able to get blessings to consume on ourselves. The gospel is so that we would be blessed to be a blessing. And there's always that sense of being able to say, for the sake of the other, I will do this. For the sake of the other, I will give my life. I will give my strength. I will do everything else just as Jesus did. So that's what Paul was starting to speak about even in chapter 8. And now as we continue in chapter 10, you will notice here that Paul uses this word participate or participation quite a lot. He mentions it a number of different times. Is not the cup we drink a participation in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread a participation in the body of Christ? Didn't the Israelites participate in the altar? Don't participate with demons. So he's using that word multiple times in these, these, just these few verses. And in each one of these instances, Paul is using a Greek word, koinonia, which is commonly translated as fellowship. So you may have even heard that word, koinonia. In fact, you'll hear that word repeated often, and you'll see organizations even that have that, that name, the koinonia, and, uh, and you'll see that. But it is and it's often translated or, or commonly translated as fellowship. So if you want to think of these verses it's is not the cup we drink and the drink uh, a cup we drink and the bread we break a koinonia a fellowship with Christ himself is not the participation in a cultic meal or a temple ritual before an idol a fellowship with the associated demons so he's pointing out that when you say that you're doing this action when you're taking this this action when you're involved in this activity, you are having fellowship with one or the other. He's pointing out that when we associate what we are influenced by, that is going to determine whether we are fellowshipping with God or we're fellowshipping with demons. And we don't think of it that way. We don't associate it like that all the time. But that is the warning that Paul is giving to the Corinthians Therefore, do not associate with, do not have fellowship with, do not participate with demons. That's his warning. And he goes a little further in this warning at the end of this passage in verse 22 where he says, Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And you read that and you think of it and you say, Why is God jealous? What does that mean? Why would the word use, why would that word be used there? And you've got to remember that this is not human jealousy, this is not envy. God is not saying, oh, you're going after other gods, I feel so jealous. That's not his point. He's not, he's not feeling anything about the other god. Those other gods, those demons, they are powerless before him. What he is jealous for, his intense desire is to preserve the purity, the truth, and the glory that is God's alone and is now shared with each one of us. So he says, I, am, I have this intense desire that that which I have given you in these ways, this truth, this power, this purity, this, this glory that I've given you would be preserved. I'm jealous for that. I want to see that kept pure before me. I do not want you to corrupt it. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter four, verses 23 through 24, God says this to the children of Israel. He says, so watch yourselves that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, And make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. Be true to the Lord, walk in his ways, obey his commands, and don't go after all these other things. And don't make graven images or idols of things that are against the Lord. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. He's giving a warning when he's using this phrase. When he's using this phrase here in chapter 10, Paul is causing these people to hearken back to the Old Testament and to the warnings and to the statements of God. And and they know this jealous God seeks to have this preservation of good, of purity, of truth, of life in this way. And so he's, he's warning them. He's saying, do you think that you can provoke God? Do you think that you're stronger than God? Do you think that the jealousy of God is just some casual thing? He's an all-consuming fire. Be warned. Be warned about this. Don't, don't do something just, you know, trivial, casually, just without understanding the consequence of your actions. And remember what we talked about last week. That idolatry is not about just some graven image, it is about what takes your heart. Where your heart is, that's the key question. Anything that would divide your heart from being given wholly to the Lord, that becomes your idol. And so the Lord is saying, don't let anything else come in the midst of it. Give yourself wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly to the Lord. Now, in making the references to the Lord's Supper, to the bread and to the cup, Paul is leading every believer to realize, he's prompting us to realize that when we participate in communion, we are in fact... Communing with Christ we are sharing in the fellowship of Christ we are saying Lord I am joining with you I am spending time with you this is not just a, another ritual we're not just practicing a ritual we're saying when we come together in this way and we partake of the cup and we partake of the bread we are partaking we are participating we are communing we are fellowshipping with Jesus this is an awesome thing And, the Bible is pointing out, we are fellowshipping with one another. We are joining with our brothers and our sisters. By participating in the table, we are making that connection to one another. We are communing with one another. We are saying, I choose to be in fellowship with you, my brother. I choose to be in fellowship with you, my sister. I choose to align with you. That's what I do when I come and participate in this Lord's table. That is why the Lord's word says, if you have anything against your brother, go reconcile with your brother. Get that done before you come and participate in the Lord's table. It's not a casual thing. That is why the Bible says, don't participate unworthily. What does that mean? That we would prepare ourselves, that we would know where we are, and we would say, Oh, I am communing with Christ, and I'm communing with those that belong to Christ, with my brothers and sisters. This has to be taken seriously. So if you have something against your brother or your sister, you would go and resolve that first. If there is anything at all that you would say, oh, you know. How how many times? Maybe you're yourself. Or how many times do you know of other situations where people have come to the Lord's table, and they're not communing with the person that's sitting right next to them? Maybe between husband and wife. Maybe between some other members in the church. Maybe with the pastor. Maybe some disagreement going on. The Lord's telling us, hey, this is a very serious thing. You are now in fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. Take that in every way that would come so that you would receive the full benefits of this fellowship. And so at least two things to keep in mind as we benefit from what Christ has done. We benefit from the sacrifice of Christ. We benefit from the sacrifice of Christ. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel had to keep making sacrifices at the altar so as to participate in or to have fellowship with Yahweh, with the Lord, right? They benefited through their faith and obedience, which included these physical sacrifices. They had to keep making sacrifices. In the New Testament, we see that since Jesus made the ultimate and perfect sacrifice, We don't have to keep making physical sacrifices. When Christ was sacrificed on the cross, when he shed his blood and gave his body for us, he was removing our guilt, forgiving our sin, reconciling us to himself, making making peace between God and man, and establishing fellowship with all who believe. That's what Christ accomplished. And so we also benefit through our faith, And our obedience of regularly participating in communion. We're coming into this communion. This Lord's Lord's Supper. And we're saying oh God thank you. That you've done this for me. Oh God thank you that you made this perfect sacrifice. And because of that I don't need to do sacrifices anymore. I can just come and worship and receive the benefit of your sacrifice. That is a privilege that. We should never take for granted. That is a privilege that we should never overlook. That is a joy and a privilege that we want to share with somebody else. And we want to say, look, I am experiencing this. I'm experiencing this wonderful benefit of the fact that the Lord Jesus has given his life for me. And because of his sacrifice, I can participate in this Lord's table. Come, come and join me. Come and come and accept and receive and be reconciled to the Lord so that you can also come and participate. Oh, what a joy, what a privilege it is for us to do that. Every time we participate in the communion, we are acknowledging Christ's sacrifice and we're offering thanks for what he did. By the way, you may sometimes hear the communion referred to as the Eucharist. Have you ever heard that? If you know, know, especially in you know, sort of more liturgical churches and so on, they will refer to it as the Eucharist. The Eucharist is just a, a Greek word. It comes from the Greek word Eucharistia, which means Thanksgiving. It just means to give thanks. The idea is that when we come to the Lord's table, we would give thanks for what he has done, right? And as I mentioned before, it's good that in the month of November, we're, we're going through this portion of scripture because every single time we do this, we should give thanks Give thanks without ceasing. Give thanks that the Lord has done this. Give thanks that He has redeemed us and called us to Himself. We can never cease to be grateful for what the Lord has done. With a heart overflowing with thanks, we give ourselves to the Lord who gave Himself entirely for us. We give ourselves to the Lord who already gave everything. For us and we say, Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. How could we stop saying thanks? And so, then participating the next thing, the next benefit as such that comes to us is that participating in the Lord's table keeps us from participating in the table of demons, it's a mutually exclusive condition. If we are participating in the Lord's table, it should keep us from participating. In the table of demons. That's what Paul is pointing out. If we truly understand the Lord's sacrifice and what he has done for us, we will not give ourselves to anything or anyone else. If we truly understand what the Lord has done, if we truly understand the value of what we've got, if you know that you have a treasure in your hand, you won't throw it away. Right Right now it's, what, 1.6 billion for the Powerball lottery ticket. If you have that winning ticket in your hand, you're not going to say, this is just a piece of paper, right? When you know the value of what you have, you will not throw it away. When you know the worth and the value of what the Lord has done, then you will say, if I am participating in the Lord's table, I will not, I cannot participate anywhere else. The exclusivity of Christianity is not because we are trying to be exclusive. It's because there's no other option. If you follow the Lord, if you live for Him, if you say this is the truth, this is the way, this is the life, there's no other option. You can't say this is the truth, the way, the life, and there's something else. You have to say, if this is the truth, this is the way, this is the life, there can't be anything else. I'm not trying to be discriminatory against anything else, There just can't be anything else. So Paul is saying, if you're participating in the Lord's table, you cannot participate in the table of demons. That should be a caution to us, but also a way for us to self-assess. And we say, what is it that I'm participating in? Is every action that I take, is everything that I do, is everything that I say, is every, every part of how I live my life Is it showing that I participate, I fellowship, I am in communion with Jesus himself? That's the question. That is what we have to ask ourselves. Because when we participate in the Lord's table with undivided heart, when we're not idolaters, when we partake in the table of the Lord, because we love the Lord, because we delight in the Lord, because we trust in the Lord, because we fellowship with the Lord, we will be nourished and satisfied by the Lord. We will receive all that we need. All things will be added to us. We will be content. We'll say, oh, what a joy it is. What a privilege it is. It's not this little piece of bread or not the cup that is going to nourish me. But as I participate And I acknowledge what the Lord is doing. Oh, he will nourish me and fill me. And he will deliver me. And he will give me the peace of mind that I need. And he will give me the joy that I need that will be my strength. And he will give me the healing that I need to carry and to this purpose of God and to run this race with strength. He will do it. That's the promise of the Lord. When that happens, everything and everyone else... All lose their attraction and their power over us we won't have time energy or resources to expend on anything other than God and the things of God if you find that your time your energy and your resources are going in all sorts of different places ask the question am I truly having fellowship with the Lord Jesus in my leisure time in my downtime, in my time when I'm depressed, anxious, when I'm energetic, when I'm enthusiastic, when I'm up? Any time, am I continuing to have fellowship with the Lord Jesus? I've mentioned this another time, another week. You know, when some fleeting thought starts to come, just listen to a verse. Either read it yourself or have the Bible on audio, or listen to a song, a worship, something that will Focus your mind that will turn your attention, that will cause you to say, Oh God, you are my fortress, you are my refuge, you are my strength, you are my everything. And you have that sweet fellowship with him, you just commune with him, you spend the time with him, you meditate on the things of the Lord. And so that brings us to this point of application that we get a chance to live out this morning we respond and apply to the word of God that we're hearing by coming to the Lord's table. We don't come to the Lord's table as, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, first Sunday, yeah, yeah. No, we come to, we look forward to it. We prepare for it. We anticipate the Lord's work in us. And we come with, with that kind of faith that when we participate in the Lord's table, we will participate in fellowship with him and with our brothers and our sisters. Oh, Don't you want the whole place to be filled? Don't you want us to run out so that we say, oh, we have too many people. We have have to prepare more. Don't you want many more people outside who don't know the Lord to come and experience this? That should be our excitement. That should be our joy when we come together for the breaking of bread and the sharing of the cup to say, oh, Lord God, I come to your table. When the Lord said... As long as you do this, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. That is not a, just a, a throwaway thing. Right. I mean, no, this has such deep meaning, such deep purpose, that we would participate in the Lord's table with such preparation, with such joy, and that we would seek to be in fellowship. This morning... As we close the message itself, I want to remind you that the fellowship is with Christ and with others. How are we building the fellowship with Christ? How are we building the fellowship with others? Are you seeking out your brother and your sister? Are you praying for them? Are you eager to be in fellowship with them in person or maybe online, but in some way in which you can connect with that person? Not just that you see them from a distance, not just that you wave to them and you say, Hi, how are you? And off you go. Do that. Do that. But do more. Do more. Seek to be in fellowship with, the, with Christ and seek to be in fellowship with your brother and sister. Seek them out. Find out what is going on with them. What could you do to be of blessing to them? How could you be mutually encouraging to one another? What, what can, can you do, do so that, that the power p- of God will be manifest? manifest? When we do this, when we apply the word of God by coming to the Lord's table in these ways. Oh, I I assure you, every single time we participate in the Lord's table, it will just build us up. It will cause us to move forward. It will bring the blessing of God. It will usher in the presence of God. That's what we want. That's what we want. And that every month as we do it, every year as we keep doing it, 33 more years, whatever period of time the Lord ordains for us, oh, let the blessing of the Lord come. Let the blessing of the Lord come as we participate in the Lord's table. Heavenly Father, Lord, even now as we prepare our hearts to participate in your table, to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit, come Lord, prepare us from the inside out. We don't want to casually Participate. We want to participate with great meaning, with great reverence, with great commitment, with great preparation, so that we will say, oh, Lord God, I am so grateful, so grateful that you have called me your own, and I can now share, have fellowship with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that you have instituted this, that you have said do this, And we, Lord, are eager to keep doing it until you return or you call us home. So we pray and we anticipate, we look forward to what we're going to participate in even now. With great joy, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.